Hey everybody, welcome to the AutoCorrect Podcast. I'm Mr. V, your host, and today is episode number one of our podcast. So thank you for joining me. I'm going to try my best to make this uh, at least bearable. As I know this is our first podcast, so I know it's not going to be great. However, I still would like you to listen and get some good information from it. So let me give a little bit of what we're going to talk about today. So we're going to go into BMW's marketing strategy and how they made a huge mistake about two weeks ago and really offended a lot of their core customer base. And we're going to talk a little bit about that and what they may be able to do to win people like us back. And also we're going to talk about the increased technology in cars and uh, how we are just getting a lot of different technology in these vehicles now, you know, going to self-driving, into you know the infotainment stuff and everything else and how it's getting a little bit out of hand and how that is affecting how much we're paying for these cars. We're also going to talk about you know the increased cost of a new vehicle and how much do you think a new vehicle average price is and I want you all to think about that as we move on through the podcast and when we get to the point I want you to just say out loud what your answer is. Of course I won't be able to hear it but Okay, uh, so because this is our first episode, I want to go ahead and give you a little insight to who I am. My name is Taylor Bryant. I go by Mr. B on YouTube. I have a YouTube channel called Car Smarts for Mr. B where I focus on how-to videos for European, mostly European vehicles. But however, I do get a little bit um, wider in depth and go into a lot of different things on vehicles. And like I just did a caliper rebuild vehicle video on a Corvette. So anything goes on my channel. However, I kind of like to stick with what I know. And so my day job is I'm an automotive instructor at a small community college called Augusta Technical College in Augusta, Georgia. So I've been there for over seven years, love my job, and I really enjoy teaching students. And I am trying to pull that into teaching the public. So this is what I've started to do. I started my YouTube channel, Car Smarts Must Be, almost a year ago. Matter of fact, the podcast is my celebration of uh, one year anniversary for Car Smarts Must Be. So I'm trying to expand and trying to get a little bit larger grasp to the public to give more car education. Okay, so before I was an automotive instructor, I did a lot of dealership work, Volvo, Volkswagen, Audi, Subaru. Land Rover, Jaguar. Most of my stuff has been high-end import, and I specialized in electrical and drivability concerns. So, and for some reason, convertible tops. I was always pretty good at those. So, I started my my career about uh, over 20 years ago, I guess, at a little place called Western Auto that doesn't exist anymore, and went into dealership life with Ford for about three months and I was not feeling domestic vehicles. So I pretty much went to European vehicles. It's what I liked. It's, it gave me a challenge. It was interesting to me. And so when I finished college, I went to Aiken Technical College and majored in automotive and industrial maintenance. I started at a Volkswagen dealership in town that was actually five different dealerships in one building. Worked there and have a cumulative of about 12 years working for that company on those vehicles. So, also, I'm a big Volkswagen fan. Uh, I've got I've got my 43rd Volkswagen. 
So real big into Volkswagen. As a matter of fact, so big into Volkswagen that Volkswagen themselves did an article on me. If you look up Taylor Bryant, Volkswagen, you will come up upon that article and about a couple of other dozen uh, automotive news media outposts that, that picked up on that article and wrote their own article on me. So I'm the crazy Volkswagen owner to uh, most of the internet. So uh, let's go ahead and get started and let's talk about uh, my first topic, and we're going to talk about BMW's big gaffe that they had the other day. So BMW has been really changing the way that they market to their customers. And like anybody has, you know, everybody is, is trying different marketing ploys to reach the different generation of buyers and the different generation of enthusiasts that we have out there and now internet rules, Twitter rules, you know, everything that, that happens on Twitter, you know, if you make a mistake on Twitter, it's a pretty big mistake. And that's pretty much as far as I'm concerned as a BMW owner as well. I have an E46. I've owned a couple of E30s. I love BMWs. I've worked on them before and they're one of my, you know, top five brands, but they came across and rubbed their their clientele a little bit wrong so they dropped the new prototype pictures for the bmw ix which is their you know their eye line they have the i3 which is the smaller econovox um electric plug-in vehicle and they have the i8 which is their supercar their electric supercar which is uh, really awesome if you've ever had a chance to 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 look or work in on those those are really cool cars and you know, they're pretty much, they're nice, but they're not exactly BMW's traditional build. So, and I think BMW has stepped away ever since the E46, um, has really stepped away from their, their, their traditional build of car. And that's just me coming as an enthusiast, as somebody who's, you know, tracked and, and run E30s and, you know, uh, so I get it, you know, we're, we're, they have gone from kind of the ultimate driving machine to the ultimate riding machine. And uh, that's unfortunate, but however, you know, they are going to ruffle some feathers, you know, just like Volkswagen did when they dropped the Mark V, you know, they went completely away from the, the traditional look of, of the Jettas and the Golfs. And so BMW is doing this. They were going with these, you know, large grills, these different shapes of vehicles, you know, People are saying, you know, they're starting to look more like Lexuses than BMWs. And they, you know, gone to turbos or going to electric power plants, diesels. Some some of them have diesels now and things like that. So all these are, are non-traditional BMW things that they're doing. And that is all adding up to, you know, possibly ruffling some feathers with the enthusiast crowd. Just like, you know, that normally happens a lot with car manufacturers nowadays. So... There was a ad campaign, and they called it "What's Your Reason Not to Change?" and it was a kind of a snarky, backhanded campaign towards uh, someone that was commenting on their 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 uh, I guess their new designs <laughs> for for uh, to to rephrase this so. The, the title, and it's still on their Twitter page. I looked today. It's still up on their Twitter page. So this is something that they haven't, you know, deleted out of shame. They've totally owned it, which, you know what? 
hey, my hat's off to them. So uh, it says, okay, Boomer, and what's your reason not to change? And uh, the 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 quote was basically, why don't you start building BMWs again? Why don't you get back to your roots? You know, start building BMWs. And that's the, that's when I saw the quote of the complainer. Then that's pretty much what I saw was you you're you're looking at somebody who was was wondering why you know the grills have gotten larger, the the build quality is just different. It's just you know it's not it doesn't have the BMW personality. It doesn't have the old you know, cockpit feel of the E30, E36, even the 5 Series of, of the the 80s and the 90s. And it's, I, I think, I think the, the person that complained about this is correct. And I think to get the ultimate driving machine from BMW, you almost have to crack $100,000 now to get a car that performs in the same feel and the same style as those earlier you know, ironclad BMWs. You know, when when you stepped into an E30 or E36 M3, that you knew that you were in a a track capable vehicle, and it was it was you know, of course more expensive at the time. However, had a problem or something like that at the track, it wasn't going to cost you an arm and a leg to fix. And the car was built for the driver. And nowadays these these BMWs, and it's not just BMW that's doing this, okay? Let me go ahead and just say I'm not picking on BMW because there's a lot of other car manufacturers that are not living up to their roots, okay? So, but this just, BMW just happened to fall on their face with their marketing plan, and they just doubled up on it. And so if you read the tweet, and underneath the tweet, they kind of apologize and say, hey, you know, we're, we're sorry that we, we kind of went about this. And they had a couple of uh, uh, quotes on these tweets. You know, what's your reason not to change? Because I'm not blind. Uh, when it comes to innovative design, it's very common for some to find it unusual and odd, but open to a new look. Let's embrace the future together. You will see it's full of new opportunities. So there is some uh, optimism with this new stuff, but I really think this is a marketing problem. It's not a car problem. I think BMW is still going to really deliver a quality product. And I think... The sector that they're they're putting these cars in, you know, the i3, the i8, now the iX, there's there's so much room for error, and it's really hard to get that right. It's very hard to make a car that's nobody's made before and make it work. Okay, automotive is a trial and error uh, process. You know, we've been making cars for well over a hundred years now, and we still have recalls. So. We still have warranties. We we still have things to tear up. We still have a whole lot of bad ideas out there. And that's why we see now cars are going off the market and they're not selling them. And, and, and you have cars that are going away because now we see kind of the error of our ways and we're starting to change. So, you know, my hat's off to BMW for owning up to it, for keeping the, the tweet out there. I think it's one of those things that, that, you know, it's a lesson learned. And I think they're going to approach their new marketing strategy a little bit different. And honestly, if you if you look at the ad and you're a BMW aficionado and you're an enthusiast, you saw that you can see that the person that wrote that ad is is not a BMW person. Okay. First of all, they said the the uh, uh you know, we built something like I can't remember what it, exactly what it says. Um the 
the all new, you know, we've never built an IX. You know, this is a, the, the very first IX. Well, we know if, if we know that the IX is, is, is goes way back into BMW's roots. Uh, so that, that's a falsehood directly in their advertising because we've had 325 IXs, 330 IXs, 328 IXs, you know, 530 IXs and things like that. We've had these, these IX cars, but I guess they, you know, whoever wrote that did not understand that. So, and that was brought up in the tweet, in the, in the comments below the tweet, it was brought up, Hey, we've had an IX before, you know? So I think you've got a lot of people in car marketing companies that are farmed out for this that aren't car people. And that's probably a mistake. You know, I wouldn't, as a master technician, I would not go out and want to write ads for, I don't know, um, a roofing company or something like that. Or I wouldn't want to write ads for, I don't know, anything that I'm not, uh, I'm not versed in. So a lesson learned, I think they, you know, if they just put a, a somebody, a technician, you know, that that's, or, a, you know, old car salesman or something like that, that just, just pick their brain and just drop it by email them to add, Hey, do you think this ad's going to work? I mean, if I was a, if I was working for BMW and I know a lot of people that work for BMWs, I have a lot of friends that work at the local BMW place and work for independent BMW shops. And any of those people would have looked at that ad and said, you know what, this is a bad idea. You need to run this back through. And I think that disconnect between marketing is huge with a lot of automobile manufacturing. It's not just automobiles. It's, a, it's everything advertised. You know, we don't ask the people in the trenches that deal with the stuff every day, what they would think, what, how do we need to reach out to these car buyers and things like that. So that's one of the things, if I had BMW in your room and say, you know, Hey, Hey, Mr. B, I need you to help me fix this. That would be one of the things that I would say is you need to get in the room with people that work on these cars that drive these cars, that buy these cars, and what do they want, okay? You need to have some type of committee that you run stuff by before you print it because this Twitter thing, they were, I mean, they were roasting BMW, and it's, it's not fair because, like I, like I said, I think BMW makes a really great product, and I would drive anything that they sell. Matter of fact, if BMW wants to sell me something, if they want to bring me something and drop it off in the yard, I promise you I will apologize for running this podcast because... Uh, I, I do think BMW has a, a ton of potential, and I think they're onto something with their electronic systems in their vehicles to run these hybrids. So with that, I would say BMW better luck next time on Twitter. So let's go to our next topic here, and let's talk about the average new vehicle prices, okay? And that's one of the things I wanted to look up is these vehicles are so expensive now. I uh, I just bought in January, I bought a pre-owned Jetta, Volkswagen Jetta GLI, six-speed turbo, great, love the car, no complaints. Uh, it's featured a lot on my YouTube channel, Car Smarts with Mr. B, so check that out. But, and I paid, you know, a very good price for it. It actually had kind of high miles on it. It had about 70,000 miles on it when I bought it, being a 2017 that was considered high miles. But as a technician, as a Volkswagen technician, that doesn't scare me. So bought the car, love it. But I was also looking at the new cars at the time. I, I could have bought a, a new GLI. And I strolled over, and they were like, 
thirty-two uh, thousand You know, and that's without taxes and everything else. We pay a, a six point five percent tax in the state of Georgia, and you have all the fees that the dealer's going to put on and all that jazz. So I was like, "Wow, that was crazy." I I could have bought it, but I decided, you know, just to get me something pre-owned, something I can kind of tinker with as well. So <laughs> I, I asked a little bit ago. You guys, what do you think the median price? So the median price, and this is according to uh, Kelly Blue Book here, and I just looked this up today, and this is an article from February 18th. So now COVID is going to change a little bit of this, okay, because people are not going to be able to afford the things that they did back in February. So according to Kelly Blue Book, which is a good site, the average transaction price for light vehicle so this is light vehicles this is cars trucks suvs vans things like that was thirty seven thousand eight hundred fifty one dollars in january of 2020 so new vehicle prices increased twelve hundred and ninety six dollars up three and a half percent from january of 2019 so that is crazy wow that is insane $37,851. So that is a lot of money. Now, that being said, you know, these cars, of course, are are much more expensive to produce, much more expensive to maintain and everything else. So you're going to have added cost on that. Plus, you're going to get a lot more of a car. We're going to talk about that here in a minute. But uh, Hyundai and Kia were big success stories. Average price climbed more than 12% for Hyundai and Kia. So we're starting to see Hyundai and Kia really pick up their build quality and really pick up their sales and their marketing plan is pretty good. We just talked about BMW's problems. Kia, no problems with their marketing plan whatsoever. They're really staying in touch with the buyer and pounding home that their cars are quality built. And the cool thing about Kia and Hyundai is a lot of their cars are built in the United States, which of course is one of my, you know, heart beating moments here. So Hyundai Palisade, the Kia Tari was basically the same car, led the charge of both brands. Uh, and that's transactions on those are, are normally more than $40,000, which is crazy. If you would have told me 25 years ago that somebody would pay $40,000 for a Kia in the year 2020, I would have told you, you were insane. Okay. So that company has, uh, really come far the Hyundai and Kia have and their build quality is really good. My my father is a real big Hyundai guy and he drives a Hyundai Sonata. So and I and I've worked on it. It's, it seemed to be a pretty good car. So I'm not going to complain about that. You know, resale value they're still having a little bit of issue with, but really Hyundai's are good. Ford Motor Company was another manufacturer, big transaction price. Ford and Lincoln climbing about six percent. So six percent more on Ford and Lincoln. Uh, redesign Explorer price jumps 12%. So, you know, these cars are just costing so much money. Lincoln Aviator, $67,730. Okay, Corsair, solid loss, 10% gains. So, if you want to read this article, it's over there at Kelly Blue Book, and it has a really good breakdown of all the cars and the percentage wise that they end up getting for their sales increases. So, Really good read. So, all right. So let's talk about a little bit. So that's almost $40,000 for a new car. Let's 20 years ago, what a car cost goes 20 years ago, a little bit, actually a little bit more than 20 years ago was the last time I bought a new car. I bought a 97 Ford Ranger brand new. I was in high school, bought it brand new 
and love the truck. Matter of fact, we still have the truck. And I remember looking at cars around that time. And I remember we bought the Ranger, and it was about, I want to say it was about $13,000 out the door. And manual transmission, crank windows, tape player, you know, pretty basic truck. PR Newswire is just a conglomeration site here. And so I'm looking here, and PR Newswire is telling me that in the year 2000, which is around that time, a new car, the average new car price was $21,850, which I could tell you back then could buy you just about anything you wanted. So within reason, of course, but at least my teenage reason, I guess. So you can see the cars are almost doubled in 20 years. So that to me is crazy. That means cars are going up about 5% a year. And you're seeing here up 3.5% this year. So we're going to get to where cars are going to become really not affordable to, you know, your average person. And I think that's going to be a shame. So why are cars getting so expensive outside of why is everything getting so expensive? You know, gas, of course, has doubled since then. And the price of a lot of stuff has doubled since then. Let's talk about why cars are getting so expensive. So we are, if we look at cars back in the year 2000 versus this year, we can see that there's a lot of different things that, that have changed, of course. And a lot of it, the reasons that have changed, I've, I thought about today, and I just want to talk about a few of them here. So think about your car in 2000, your top-of-the-line car, your BMW 740i, your Cadillac, your, you know, whatever, Lincoln Town Car, anything like that. And if you think about in the year 2000, how cars were, and all the equipment they have in vehicles. Now, our, a lot of that stuff is going to be pretty much standard equipment on a lot of the baser cars now. So I can't remember the last time I saw a new car in a lot that had crank windows, right? So, but also there's a couple of other things that we have to have. The government has mandated us to have these things, and that is automatically going to affect the price of the vehicle. So uh, think about, you know, the airbags now. We have airbags. When we get in a car accident, you can't hardly see out of the car. And back then, that was an option, but now it's a requirement. You know, the side airbags are a requirement. The curtain airbags are a requirement. ABS now is a requirement. And in 2000, ABS was not a requirement. All that adds up, and it's not just, you know, the, the government safety equipment, stuff like that. Think about keyless entry. You know, now... The, the basis base model car out there has keyless entry. The keyless start, infotainment, the Bluetooth. Remember, we, we, were, we were starting to ask more out of these vehicles, okay? Uh, with the Bluetooth, navigation, the sound systems now in these vehicles are crazy. You know, we have TVs and vans now. That was crazy if you had a TV in your car in the year 2000. Just think about the lane assist and the backup cameras and the safety, you know, this active safety equipment, all these cameras and sensors and sonars and radars and speed activated cruise control and, and stuff like that that are on these vehicles. All that stuff is a major cost, both in research and development and in just actual cost of what things cost. So all that's going to add up into the vehicle and that's going to give us more for our money. So the average vehicle in the year 2000 had a lot less equipment than the average vehicle in the year 2020. And uh, that has a lot to do with market wishes. I remember selling vehicles 10 years ago when I was selling for a little while. 
the the needs and wants of people that were buying cars were completely different than when I was selling back in 2004, 2005. So the it was it was just you know now I'm not going to say that the buyer is spoiled, but they're more demanding of these vehicles now. So we have to have Bluetooth, we have to have keyless entry, we have to have remote start, we have to have connectivity. They want their cell phone hanging out of the dash of this thing, and that's fine because that's obviously doable, but it all costs money, okay? So on top of government invention, market wishes, things like that are always going to add on to the price of the vehicle. Plus, we got overhead, right? We got overhead of these dealerships. Now, when a, when these new customers now, when they walk into a dealership, they want a loaner car, they want a cup of coffee, they want, you know, there's a restaurant in our Lexus dealer. <laughs> you know, we have a restaurant in our Lexus dealership now. So, the experience of the customer experience has been more expensive than it was in, you know, the year 2000. I remember taking my Ranger in for warranty work and, you know, I had to beg to borrow their phone to, to call somebody to come and pick me up. Now we have shuttles, we have loaner cars, we have rental cars, we have, you know, they'll come and pick the car up from your work. So we have to pay a porter and we have to pay for rental cars and we have to pay you know, floor plan on loaner cars and things like that. All that's going to add up to dealers requiring more money to stay in business, which is going to add on top of whatever the car cost. So, and we'll talk about car costs in another podcast and car sales process. And I'm, I'm willing to talk about any of that stuff with you guys because I've done just about everything in this field and I'm willing to, to pretty much do anything uh, on here that, that piques anybody's interest. So, with the changes in the vehicles and the changes in the laws and everything, we're going to obviously end up with more cost on these cars. So I'm going to go ahead and wrap this up. This is our first podcast. And like I said, this is an offshoot of our YouTube channel, which is Car Smarts with Mr. B. And so I, I named this, it's kind of like a dad joke. It's uh, autocorrect. So it's a play on words. And uh, I'm hoping to take this out and and do a lot more of these episodes. And by the time you hear this, I should have more episodes up and running. And if you have any questions, by all means, uh, I am on Facebook at Car Smarts with Mr. B. I am on Instagram, Car Smarts with Mr. B. I'm on Twitter, Car Smarts with Mr. B. And I can use uh, a lot more followers on all three of those platforms. So look me up there. And if you have any questions about the podcast, I'm going to put the podcast up on those platforms as well. So look into that for when it comes up. But I really want to interact with you guys. I want this to be our podcast, not my podcast. So I'm probably going to add some surveys and some questions for you guys. And then I'm going to take that into the next podcast. So the next podcast is going to be a little bit of a free-for-all. And I'm going to ask a lot of questions of my followers and see what I can get and see what interests you guys. Because if y'all aren't interested in this, this isn't going to work. So I'm just going to go ahead and, and tell you thank you for listening to this. I'm sure this is fairly painful listening to the first podcast I've ever done. But if you have any tips for me, if you're a podcaster and you're listening to this and you're like, oh, God, this guy's terrible. I could really give him some some help. You can email me at... ATCTaylorB at yahoo.com. That's my personal email. Y'all can just shoot me a message there. 
And outside of that, thank you for listening. And we'll see you next time on AutoCorrect.